Back it up, back it up. Let's dump this truck. Back it up, back it up. Let's dump this truck. 7 a.m. Express. Hello and welcome to Bad Romance. I'm Jordane Searles. And I'm Bronwyn Isaac. And what you just heard was our new theme song that I'm still so excited about. Get into it. Oh my God. Once again, the song is 58008 and it's by Clutch Douglas and it's great. And isn't it great to have a theme song? It's, it's so awesome. great. I feel I feel so much more real as a podcaster and as a human being, honestly. <laughs> it warms the cockles of my soul. Um, <laughs> oh my God. So less fun, but um, very fascinating is the film that we are doing this week. <sighs> 1996's <sighs> The Paul Bearer. Yeah, it, yep, it is, it is what you thought. I, I, somebody, I mentioned this movie to somebody and they were like, Paul Bearer, like funerals. And I was like, yep, (laughs) (laughs) precisely. And I mean, this movie does kind of make you wish that you were at your own funeral. Um, It, I mean, it, it felt like death. I I mean, watching it felt like death. Like I I turned it on because I was just like, okay, I need to decompress. I'm ready to watch something dumb. That's not going to make me think too much. And I mean, it was that, but it was also just so dreary. Yeah, it was like, it was the worst of both worlds because it wasn't a fun, light, ridiculous, dumb movie where, where you're like, all right, I don't have to engage with the difficulties of the world and I can enjoy this. It was like a bad movie that tried to engage with depth, but failed. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not oh even God. sure what depth it was engaging with. Just like David Schwimmer, like you know what's wild about this movie being near uh, death. <laughs> <laughs> that, um, but also the talent behind it. You know what? I'm gonna get to the big names in a second. But I just found out that this movie, the cinematography for this movie, was done by the cinematographer of There Will Be Blood. Wow! I can you believe? <laughs> wow! Can you believe it? <laughs> I mean, I mean to be fair, the cinematography is definitely one of the better parts of this movie. It is like visually, you know, it has a tone. Yeah, it's um, okay. So this is what we call this is what we call a a white art bro rom com, and I don't know, like I maybe we've covered one before. This has been the most aggressive one. Like I said at the end of this movie, I, I turned to um, my partner and I said. Any white man unchecked would make the pallbearer. <laughs> that's that's a really good that's really good. I just yeah, yeah, I just feel like because what we have here is it was produced by Jody dropping her glasses. Um <laughs> it was it was produced by JJ Abrams. I just what? Like did, <laughs> I like to imagine that these men got drunk together one night and were like what if we made like a rom com that's like also deep though? <laughs> yeah, I it, it's J.J. Abrams, someone named Paul Webster. This was also a Miramax film, so that means that the Weinstein's are also behind it. The Weinstein's paid for this movie, um, so 
Yeah, I noticed that yep. at the beginning credits. And I mean, we're going to notice it forever now. Like, what I, a way yeah. to make us so aware I've been of producers that, like, is Almost that. anytime I rewatch something now is, uh, wow, okay, another Weinstein. Um, and we haven't even gotten into the writer. Okay, so it was directed by Matt Reeves and written by Matt Reeves and Jason Caddams. Jason Caddams, uh, before we get to Matt, Jason Caddams is responsible for creating shows like Roswell, Friday Night Lights, Parenthood, About a Boy, and the recently canceled Rise. So, like, this is a very, like, prolific white man. And Matt Reeves, who co-wrote it with him and directed it, Matt Reeves. <laughs> Just. He is the co-creator of Felicity with J.J. Abrams. That's, I'll start with that. There's a lot to unpack there. There is, I mean, <laughs> this is, this is a, this is a J.J. Abrams production with Matt Reeves. And this is Matt Reeves' um, I, this might, yeah, this is his first feature that he directed. And he also goes on to direct Cloverfield. Let Me In, which is the remake of Let the Right One In, and all of the new Planet of the Apes movies. Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, War for the Planet of the Apes. Um, th maybe there is a third one. I, anyway, he does. he's responsible for those. And <laughs> I just, it's... It, like, oh, my God. It's, I mean... It's... It's like um, uh, it feels almost like a Captain Planet of. Like, oh my God, he's doing a new Batman like movie, movie bros that that like joined forces, um, to just like make a movie where David Swimmer is like horny and kind of sad and this like is, it's so I don't weird know to I don't me. even I mean, know what he wants from life. Um, I mean, uh, you know what? Felicity has been one of the most confusing shows in like television history for me. Yeah. I didn't understand the plot. I didn't understand what was going on. And I didn't understand how men were somehow responsible for it. Yeah. <laughs> like, I feel like one day we're going to have to do a deep dive into Felicity so that I can understand it. Cause just, it's like, like, just like get to the bottom of it get for to you. The like, bottom of it. No, I like don't understand what? these men. I don't understand how the creator of, of Cloverfield is response in plan to the is responsible for this movie, which is essentially just David Schwimmer is sad. It's and he's into Gwyneth Paltrow, and it's clearly trying to like play on the graduate, but with Neil Young music. Yeah, and uh <laughs> it yeah, it definitely has that. You know, I didn't make the graduate connection, but now that you say that, it feels very glaring. It's clearly <laughs> like, like, like the parallels like, are all there. It's like the, um, it's like a bunch of like J.J. Abrams affiliates decided to get together to see if they could make a version of the graduate that just sucks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And like, I mean, honestly, like I've, I've never um, been into Friends. Um I like I've watched neither some episodes, of I. but I never I never like I haven't watched the whole series. Um, I've watched enough episodes to understand the references people make. But, I've seen like I mean, it's, there's not much to reference. There's <laughs> just nothing. I don't um, I am one of those people that just like does not understand friends. Um, I watched a lot of like how I met your mother and a lot of new girl, which I mean, I don't how I met your mother is already aging so poorly. <laughs> 
but <laughs> new yeah. girl might be okay. New girl might age okay. But friends, I just don't know what's going on. I just don't care about these white people. And I especially don't care about this David Schwimmer person. And well, it's very like, I mean, I, I this argument has been made so many times. But like, if you want to just watch you know, like white narcissists in New York, Seinfeld is funnier. Like I will stand by that. <laughs> like, no, um, definitely. I mean, 100%. Like I don't even like, like Seinfeld that much. And I stand by that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like I'm just like, you know, just, just go for, just go for Seinfeld. Um, yeah. Because like, I mean, there are all these jokes that I don't really get. Like, m- like my, my partner is older than me and he was just like making like Ross jokes. Like we were on a break and like, I still don't know what that means, which is completely fine because I think <laughs> I, you know your knowledge of pop culture um, is is deep and wide. It does not need to have For, your friends. Everybody else has friends covered. Friends you know? is just like one of those like white shows where it's just like there's so many other white shows. Like I could, I what about Cheers? Like let's talk about Cheers more. Like that's good shit. Why? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I watched Cheers all through eighth grade. Um, Cheers is that great. Was, yeah, I was like obsessed. Like. I still, yeah, I always I have mean, like a weird spot. I was going to say in my heart and my loins. Has anybody ever dancing? considered that maybe the um, reason why a lot of the people from Friends didn't really like make it? I mean, they have money and they're going to be fine and they're going to be rich and white forever. But it's just, there's a reason why like Lisa Kudrow is the most interesting one and the rest of them are just there. And it's because they're just not that charismatic. Not, yeah, they don't really have... <laughs> There's nothing specific. And it's not that they all need to be like precious snowflakes that are so weird and interesting, but it's like, there's nothing to hold on to. It's just like, okay, you're like, I don't know. It um, was, yeah, it was like an attractive white person who can kind of act, but not like so well that you need to be like, there's so many other people. Yeah. I think it was just maybe that time and that place where it all just kind of came together. And I think I was just young enough to miss it. I was just young enough to miss it. And, you know, friends didn't get put on um, Nick at night until after I was an adult. So, (laughs) yeah. So, yeah, I got close to a lot of shows like Cheers watching Nick at night. But friends was still like in a weird zone to where, you know, when I'm maybe 30, that's when I'm going to find out that people that were around my age were like, you know, when high school kids are going to be like rediscovering it in a different way. I think. Oh, totally. Like yeah. when I'm in my thirties or something. Yeah. Like, like uh, five years from now, there's going to be a revival or something. Yeah, 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 exactly. Exactly. Um, so we're talking about a lot of other things because this movie is because just, there's just nothing. Yeah. It's, it's, it's I mean, it's, it, it begins with a suicide. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, the gas in the car and in, in the garage, the asphyxiation. We and we don't even see the face. So we it's don't very even much like the the death is a plot device. Yeah, um, we just see like, do we see Barbara Hershey, or we do we just see her from a distance when she's like crying? When she we just see it? her from a distance, yeah. Yeah, we don't really meet her until David Schwimmer does later. Yeah, Barbara Hershey finds finds the kid, and she's just she's just like inconsolable and then and then we're introduced to david schwimmer as he walks up from the subway and david schwimmer he's sad and uh, we're like i'm so compelled he just looks like his face looks like a raindrop yeah and it feels like one emotionally yes it feels like wet and like moist and <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, he's just like, 
Well, he's like talking to um, Michael Rapaport um, about uh, how he has like a job interview. Oh my god! No, he um, he. We see him. We see him have the interview first, and oh it's just yeah. like, and it's just like I need to get out of my mom's house, and I'm just like, God damn it! Yeah, <laughs> and I'm like, okay, yeah, it's, it's very. It's like, oh, like the you know the via the the job market is so hard, which like real you know i mean yeah it's, and, it, and we find out in the that he's trying to be an Tom- architect so he's Ugh. not like going from being in his mom's house to Ted like Mosby. working his way up the ladder he's like i want to immediately get hired as an architect I'm you like, know what you know what's he, funny i will talk like he sh- doesn't know how the how it works in the world and how you just you work a bunch of jobs you don't like and so that eventually you get one that you do yeah it's very weird that he's just like going straight for the architect job when he has no money at all like he no, should be like a like, barista or something yeah like i'm like why don't you be like the administrative assistant for an architect so that you're closer to that and yeah then like, yeah i mean you know what the wh- what's interesting is that so much for so much of this movie i kept on thinking i talk so much shit about josh radner and don't worry we're gonna cover both of the films that he both of the rom-coms that he directed on this show don't worry about it liberal arts we'll and happy there. thank you more please we're, we're we're coming to you but like as much shit as i'll talk about josh radner i just kept on wishing that he was josh radner i was like ted mosby architect bring in josh radner josh radner's at least a drippy white boy with like a little bit of flavor <laughs> yeah i'm just like david swimmer like no offense to him as a human you know i'm sure he's fine and he's I playing have, a character named tom thompson i haven't heard yeah that, that sums it up tom thompson like and again it, it's another one of those situations where you just feel like um, okay, a lot of men, well, a lot of white men were involved in making this and they all see themselves in this kind of like boring, <laughs> like average looking guy with like kind of a looming sense of sadness and self-importance. Yeah. Um, which was- again, like if like an actor who was more compelling played it, I don't need him to be like sparkly and like... But there's like you know, a but there's a way to be morose without being boring. Yeah, there's a way to be morose and interesting at the same time. I mean, you know, I mean, you're friends with me, so <laughs> like, <laughs> right. Right. there are ways. Um, but yeah, and also we're supposed to not like his mom, but his mom is played by Carol Kane, and all I wanted literally was to all know I wanted was, doing. was Carol Kane, like yes. to hang out with Carol Kane the whole time, and like it was funny. I mean, it's it's funny, like because you know Carol Kane's in Kimmy Schmidt, and and in Kimmy Schmidt, she's like you know in New York, and like. She's like kind of a landlord. Um, And in this, it feels like the same in a sense, like as far as who Carol Kane is supposed to be, she's supposed to be like the eccentric mom, like in New York. And I'm just like, I just want you. I don't want, I I don't, and he's mean to her. Like, it's also like, he's really immature. Like he's an adult man. I think he's supposed to be like uh, 24, 25. And he's like mean to his mom. And I'm like, I feel like most people grow out of that. I, yeah, I know. I hate that he's like, mean to his mom. He's because not 17. Because number one, she's letting you live there for free and she doesn't have to. So you should respect her. And I'm not saying that he needs to like. He doesn't need to like hang out with her all the time. Right. So but like, it's just like she is a nice lady who only wants the best for you. Why are you such a dick? Yeah. Like, don't. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So um, he gets a call from Barbara Hershey. And she says, oh, my son, Bill Abernathy is dead. You were his best friend. And we want you to and I want you to be a pallbearer at the funeral. And David Schwimmer does not remember who Bill Abernathy is. 
um, Tom Thompson doesn't remember who Bill Abernathy is. And, but he's so much of a little punk really like he, he just, just like, can't he just say that he doesn't know he, he just, doesn't know this kid he didn't yeah, know this he, kid like he has no backbone and like i don't know yeah he he literally just lies and says okay yeah because i guess he feels awkward and li- like as a recovering pushover i understand saying like dumb shit um because you don't know how to deal with you know confrontation but this isn't confrontation this is literally him lying about knowing a dead person like yeah. how does that how do you just slip that out like yeah it's it's bullshit it it really is and then he goes to tell his friends and they're just like why are you lying why are you why are you doing this like the friends are just kind of you can tell from minute one that Michael Vartan and Michael Rappaport are fed up with his shit. Oh, yeah. no, They've like been he's, tired of him for a long time. No, it's definitely... <laughs> yeah, like, I was noticing that. I was like, it's definitely, like, one of those friend dynamics where they've all been friends for a long time. Like, they've been friends through high school. They grew up... Like, they all grew up in the city. Um... But, like, Michael Vartan is married to Tony Collette, and Michael Rappaport... Is getting married. Is getting married to Biddy Shram, who I love. Um, and uh, David Schwimmer is single and, like, complains a lot and, like, is just very, like, learned helplessness. That's kind of his whole thing. He's like, oh, I don't know. And it's like, just do something, dude. So they, like... From the start of the movie, they seem completely over him. <laughs> yeah. Um, they are so done with him. And I understand it because he's just like a terrible friend. He's constantly... Have you noticed the way that he tries to take everyone's clothes? Like, he doesn't have nice clothes. So he goes everywhere looking like shit. And then he tries to take his friend's clothes. And then tries to make his friends feel like shit for not wanting to take the clothes off their backs to please him. What a fucking prince. Yeah, there's like a party that (laughs) Michael Vartan and Tony Collette throw. And David Schwimmer shows up. Because, I mean, obviously he's a friend. And then, yeah, and then he basically is like, Michael, you have to let me wear something of yours because, like, I've been wearing the same sweatshirt since high school. And I'm like, listen, <laughs> you can get a new shirt. Like, go to a thrift store, it's, find a nice shirt. It's you so, can, yeah. You can spend $4 and get a new shirt. Like, I'm tired of your shit. It's so weird, yeah, because when he, like, and before the party, he walks up to Michael Varton and he's just, like, mad at Michael Varton for looking good. Like, yeah. how dare you look dapper in a suit? Yeah, Fuck he's like, you're you. making me look bad. And Michael Vartan's kind of like, well, you could, like, fold the clothes in the you room can, that you don't pay for and, you like, can get your life together. Like, <laughs> what is wrong with you? Yes, in this childlike room that you live in, like, you're a fucking tot. Like, I kept on waiting for the rest of the kids from Stand By Me to show up, coming into this fucking childish room. Are we all going to read comics under the blanket? Fuck you! yeah no it's like either embrace like who you are and what you've chosen or or like make some changes but don't whine and make all your friends like feel bad because they're getting their shit together he also has a thing where he doesn't like the woman that michael rapaport is um like oh yeah he's so critical of her he doesn't like her because she's it seems like it's because she's from the neighborhood and he wants better for her. But it's like, what's wrong with being from the neighborhood? He's from the neighborhood. Like, his voice. I've never heard a white man, like, emanate Brooklyn out of his... Like, it's really just Michael Rappaport and, like, LP. <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> if you want to sound like a white man from Brooklyn. 
Oh, for sure. Yeah, and it's like it's like one of those relationships where like Michael and Biddy like get in like arguments at like like they're at the party and they're arguing, but it's like because there's not like dairy free dip and she's like mad. But it's like obviously not that deep. It's you know, not like it's, it's not like very normal and it's obvious based both of them have strong personalities. So it's also obvious that their couple dynamic is one where they like probably both of them need someone they can kind of push against and like push back and forth. Yeah, I actually really like, liked their dynamic. I felt like they they argued but they were in sync. I never felt like they were miserable together. No, like they communicate. Whereas Tony and Michael Varton have like their relationship is presentable in a way that seems like it's healthy but like it's obvious that they're not saying things to each other yeah it's obvious that um, Tony Collette is unhappy it's, yeah. it's so obvious and, and Michael Varton has a wandering eye he does and he's just like emotionally unavailable and it's yeah it, yeah yeah right? like he's like she's like hey like like there's a uh, uh, like I think it's actually at the opening party scene, but there's a few different parts where she's trying to get him to kind of engage with her in, in like a group conversation. And he's just kind of like talking to the boys or ignoring her. And it's obvious that she's just like, okay. Yeah. I feel like, I feel like it might be a situation where Michael Varton like married her because, you know, she was wife material and then immediately lost interest. No. And he seems, his character seems, um, like, very textbook misogynist like not like he's not like a violent misogynist but he's like very passive misogynist like oh yeah like women do this men do this like i i would get a wife women should be you know they're supposed to be feminine and pretty in this specific way and then once he got his respectable wife then he's like oh i'm bored yeah now she's like a full person and not an idea yeah um yeah it obviously like i theorized so much about the characters because the plot annoyed me because yeah the plot <laughs> so annoyed, i just had to like dive in you know? i mean they go to this party and gwyneth paltrow shows up and it's clear she's supposed to be the dream girl and here's the thing about gwyneth paltrow i understand it's one of those situations where i understand what white people are talking about when they're just like oh, she's supposed to be you know beautiful and stuff I personally, I don't know if it's this <laughs> I role. understand what white people are talking about. Like, like I get it. I, I don't know so if funny. it's this role or her wardrobe or what, but every woman in the movie seemed more attractive than her in this movie. And maybe I'm the only person. I feel so weird for saying that. And it's not me saying, like, me like No, you're not, like, like sh- shitting. You're not, like, Gwyneth Paltrow's not pretty enough. That's not, like, your takeaway. No, no my takeaway is just that, like, for a person who's clearly supposed to be his dream girl, she just looks tired and frustrated and she seems like she wants to be left alone. And she kind of emanates that the entire time. I feel no heat. I don't feel any heat with her with anyone, not they even have, Michael Varton, because oh, have, she doesn't want to be with they anyone. They have no chemistry. And I feel like she's also kind of of this, I mean, this is like this 90s, like obsession with kind of waifish white women um like minimal makeup very northwest i mean this is in new york but it felt very seattle and like her style oh was, yeah like, very, it, it like, definitely felt seattle um there's like a latent like post grunge kind of vibe except it's Gwyneth paltrow so it's still like very preppy but like um yeah and it, like and very minimal but she like so she could i feel like she could be sexy as hell but there's just no chemistry yeah and and so it's almost just like i feel like the men who made the movie 
they're like, oh, like, you know, I just love this woman who's sexy in this way without trying because, you know, that's like shallow and stupid, you know, to try. Yeah. And it's um, also but it's just, like, but she's actually not into you. Um, I, yeah. Yeah. It's also just that there, every woman in the background, like every background woman that I saw, like there were so many just like, like just like nice looking, just kind of like thicker, yeah. like more interesting like more flavor had more color women just like around them at all times i noticed it especially in the yes. ending scene at the wedding where i was just like look at all these beautiful women that he is not talking well, to that was, yeah because it really is <laughs> it's like the wayfish whitest you know like that obsession with it's like the post i mean she's not heroin chic but it's like that post heroin chic like we just need like a gaunt like Kate Moss type. And so this is like obviously not that, but it's like in that same line of like deeming like. Yeah. 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 It was just like, Oh my God. I remember in the, in the ending scene when they're, when they're dancing on the dance floor, I saw a beautiful woman in like a green dress. And it was just like, I keep on like my eye, like this usually does not happen when we watch these movies. My eye just kept on getting drawn to women. Yeah. You're like, Ooh, not her. Yeah, totally. (laughs) Um, but I think you're right. I think a lot of that is because she didn't want to be there and there wasn't the emotional anchor of like her being interested or even her seeming interested in like what her life in New York was because she was in transition, her character. So like, yeah, like I didn't even care. Like I didn't dislike her. I just was like, there's no reason for me to be invested. Yeah. Yeah. And he just like Tom and you can tell that like Tom Thompson is just like obsessed with her. Like he's just like, we were in band together and he remembers like, a bunch of shit that she doesn't remember. He remembers like her boyfriends. He remembers who she hung out with. He remembers like what she was going through. He remembers her at dances. And meanwhile, she doesn't remember him. Like first she mistakes him for a different guy. She has, he has to tell her. <laughs> yes. And it's totally, and it's like that trope that I feel like is present in a lot of, um, maybe not a lot of rom-coms, but just a lot of movies in general where it's like she was popular and hot in high school and he, I guess, wasn't. And, like, he can't let go of that, like, part of his identity and her identity. Yeah, and he just, like, idealizes her because all I felt like is, like, the whole time is that you're chasing a ghost. The person that you were in love with in high school is not this person. Yeah, and, like, she was trying to tell him that, too. Like, she's like, I don't really remember you and I'm not looking for anything and, like, I don't know what you yeah, want Yeah, she kept me. on saying, I, I'm going to leave. I'm going to leave soon. I'm going to leave. Like, she keeps on saying. So it's just, like, I just don't yeah. understand what we were supposed to be holding on to, really. It, it was very hard for me to understand. And it was so strange, like, when he, like, goes back to his, goes back home then like, is, like, staring at her yearbook picture and shit i'm just like can we calm down and then meanwhile (laughs) he meets barbara hershey who like i've never seen barbara hershey blonde before she still looks banging oh yeah like i prefer her as a brunette personally but like she looks i understood that for this role they like chose the blonde do you know what i mean yeah yeah yeah. she just had such a specific but she, yeah, she's gorgeous. She um, yeah, and and she meet and she meets him, and she's got a cigarette, and I'm just like, oh my god, yeah. How is this not the woman? Because like essentially, so the plot of this movie is that he's in love with Gwyneth Paltrow, but he keeps on like fucking Barbara Hershey, and Barbara Hershey is essentially doing it because she's sad because she misses her son, and because she thinks that this guy knew her son and he didn't. And what's interesting is that like it's very clear that he does not want Barbara Hershey, but. 
I found her more interesting and I actually don't understand why he wouldn't want I her. was way more into their dynamic because like they even had pillow talk. Like, yeah, like they're, you know, she like, I mean, he's lying about knowing her son, but like yeah. they're talking about like the death of her son, but they're also just talking about like love and you know, sadness and like big shit. And like, you never see that kind of conversation actually happen between, between uh, David Schwimmer and Gwyneth Paltrow. Like all it is, is like really kind of tropey memories of like, Oh yeah. Like we shared sheet music, but like Ruth, like, yeah. Barbara Hershey is like, she's got her cigarette. She's, she's got, she's talking about going back to school. Um, it seems like they have a great sexual energy. Um, Whereas Gwyneth Paltrow doesn't seem like she wants to have sex with anyone. Like, she seems like she's, like... Gwyneth Paltrow really... Yeah. (laughs) I almost, like, her character, like, I was almost, like, is she, like, processing a trauma right now? Because she seems so, like... That's what it seems like to me. Because she she does. We do find out um, from her dad and from her that she left her husband to be at the altar and that the family hadn't seen her since. Like, she was going to marry a guy. She decided that it wasn't right for her, and then she essentially just, like, ghosted from her entire family. And I just feel like through this entire time that, like, David Schwimmer was bothering her, she should have been in therapy and with friends. Yeah, and, like, I also, and this, again, goes back to, like, disliking this movie enough that I created whole plot lines (laughs) outside of it. I also was like, why did she leave her ex? Was he abusive? Like, she just, she seems she so seemed, uncomfortable around yeah, men. She, I, like, honestly didn't know she what She seems do very her. uncomfortable in her own skin and in clothes, too. She just... She was wearing, like, also her use of baggy clothes, which, like, again, it was, like, a fashion thing, I realized, but... I don't know. I was like really pathologizing a lot about her, which maybe is weird, but I was like, is she recovering from an eating disorder or like was she abused or like what is going on because I'm getting such a cognitive dissonance from her. Yeah, and it um, seems like cuz like there's that scene where um Tom shows up and all of his friends are hanging out without him. It's very clear that she wanted to hang out with Tony Collette and Michael Vartan and Michael Rappaport without him. Yeah, because she, everyone wanted to hang out without him and then he just shows up and guilts everybody. Yeah. Yeah, like they basically had like a friend hang out, um, but they didn't invite him, which is completely fine because they're adults so they don't have to invite everyone every time. Yeah, and then he crashes it because he needs to like vent and he doesn't ask Michael Vartan or Tony Collette. He just like shows up and then he gets offended. And it's like, well, maybe this is why they want to hang out without you because you don't listen to what they need. I mean, yeah, and it's clear. I felt like the whole time, like, and this is me, this is us, of course, like creating a plot where it's like, I think she really wanted to talk to Tony Collette about her feelings and about what was going on. And it just couldn't happen because there were always people around. And And Tony Collette, like I, she was another character that I wanted to see more of because she seemed really cool. She did. I, I, I really liked her. She was uh, like, so warm. She was really warm and she felt really present and smart. And like, I just wanted to like, I wanted to watch her and Gwyneth Paltrow talk. I also wanted Carol Kane and Barbara Hershey to somehow meet and be friends because like, oh and just God. listen to them talk. I right? wanted that like, too. Yes. Yeah, so much yeah. of that. But there was so much focus on men because you know the entire creative force behind this is men that all the women are just kind of like all of these like great actresses are separated from each other and not really yeah. getting to talk to each like, other like i actually don't even know if this passes the bagdell test which is kind of like ridiculous considering how many female characters there are it, yeah it, it's it's nuts yeah and I don't know. He shows up at this hangout that he was invited to. And he's like, she talked me into giving the eulogy. And then everybody's like, for some reason,
reason they think it would be fun to go to this funeral of this guy right? that okay. they remember. Look how they switch like that. Like, like at first they're all like smart and they're like, don't lie. And then they immediately have the switch where they're just like, yeah, like that's awesome. You should totally just like, like make up a eulogy about a guy and like, we'll go watch. I'm like, you guys. And they like snicker what? during the funeral and he's just like, and his eulogy is the worst. Like, who is Bill Abernathy? Like, how, like, do we ever know anyone ever? Like, does anyone ever know who anyone ever is? Like, okay. Right. And then, like, he gets, he nearly drops the coffin because he notices that Julie is leaving because Julie, like, snaps to her senses, Julie Gwyneth Paltrow, and she's just like, this is this was stupid. We shouldn't have done this. And she's right. And she's trying to leave. And the other pallbearers are just like, <laughs> and she cries, what the fuck, dude. <laughs> yeah, and she's like crying during the funeral. And and like, David Schwimmer is so dense. He's like, oh, did you remember him? Do you know him? Is that why you're crying? She's like, no, I'm crying because like it's a person who died, and this is sad and weird. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, was like, that was like the one time I felt like I actually got to know her. Yeah, it's like, so weird. Like he was just. And like, oh my god, I hated the way that he said her name. I was just like mocking him the entire Julie, Julie, Julie. Julie. It's like he had a cough drop underneath his tongue. <laughs> the whole time. It's like, Jesus, just swallow the cough drop. Like, what are you doing? Yeah, yeah. It's, so I mean, it's like it's also this movie is called The Pallbearer, and there's this huge like the plot centers around Bill Abernathy's death. And David Schwimmer pretending that he knows him. And David Schwimmer sleeping with Bill Abernathy's mom. But, like, also, at the same time, it's about, like, Gwyneth Paltrow and David Schwimmer. And, like, there's points where I almost feel like the whole death thing is unnecessary. Like, it's, like, trying to be two movies at once. Yeah, it's trying to do too much. And there's just so much, like, shit that is just, like, awkward just when you think of, like, the whole thing. Like, there's a scene where they try to kiss and they bump their heads. And I'm just like, is this supposed to be funny? Is this supposed to be sad? Yeah. I don't know. Is it cute? I don't know. Because they literally have no chemistry. So, like, how the hell? Yeah. And then he starts um, fucking Barbara Hershey. And it's, like, sad sex. And there's, like, transitions with, like, coffee. Yeah. (laughs) Coffee transitions. Yeah, there's a lot of coffee in this movie. It made me want some, but I watched it at, like, midnight, so I didn't partake. (laughs) Yeah. It is, like, when when you said... um, the cinematography is by the same man who did No Country for Old Men. Oh, There Will um, Be Blood. Oh, There Will Be Blood. Wow. <laughs> I think well, they came out the same year. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, it is interesting because it is such a, there is such a specific visual tone and the transitions, like it feels very calculated. Like the, the uh, cinematography is way more cohesive than the actual plot. Yeah. 100% it is. Yeah. It, and... <laughs> oh, and then yeah, and then we have so fucking Michael Vartan. Oh yeah, he just starts like like hitting on Gwyneth Paltrow, and we find out that he kisses her, and of course this is while you know he's married to Tony Collette, and why? And it's like it's like a you're married, b one of your good pals is super into this woman, whether she's into him or not, like just don't you know yeah it's so weird because i mean he basically finds out because he's stalking her and staring at her like a serial killer in between scenes where he's fucking bill abernathy's mom so it's just like sex and then he's just stalking her in the car just staring yeah like yeah yeah because uh 
David Schwimmer is sitting in his car outside the record shop she works at, and then he sees Michael Barton in there with Gwyneth, right? And they're kissing. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's also, again, like, I, Gwyneth's character feels like a victim to me. Like, yeah. the way that she acts, but also the way that she's treated... Like none yeah, of I her just want everybody to leave her alone. And like, I feel like she's being crowded around by these creepy men, and like, she's just trying to like navigate it, and it makes me sad. <laughs> like, um, yeah, it it it's so overt in this movie, and it's like Gwyneth Paltrow looks sad the whole time. Yeah, and uh, yeah. <laughs> And I don't know if it's like a directing issue or an acting issue or a mix of the issues that it just doesn't like if they were like, hey, we need you to be a little more sad because that's like hot. (laughs) You know, I don't know. And then he I don't know. He has to go to a barbecue with Barbara Hershey's family and Bill Abernathy's family. And they don't like him, of course, because he sucks. And then and then that's when um, I was informed by the white person that I watched this with that Neil Young was playing because I don't know who that is. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I was like, oh, so that's the that's the musical choice that we're going with in this movie. A bunch of because there's more than one Neil Young song. Once once he was identified, I was like, oh, there's Neil Young feels very on brand for David Schwimmer in this movie. I like his character. Um, Just like vaguely sad. And I don't know. Yeah. Like it's it's just. Yeah, and they're just so inst- and it makes me so mad because this movie sucks. But then there'll be like heartbreaking scenes where like, like you're forced to feel. We're like Barbara Hershey is just like, are you gonna fuck me, Tom? Are you gonna fuck me over? And I'm just like, yes, he is, I'm girl. Like, no. And like, it's like she's smart. That's the thing. Like, it's not like she thinks that they're gonna be a couple. She's just having a rebound, um, and an intimacy with someone, you know. Um, but he's just such a nitwit. He can't just be real. I mean, it's all predicated on a lie anyways. Yeah, and then there's a metaphor roller coaster, and I don't know what the metaphor is supposed to be. They go on a roller coaster, and it's clearly supposed to be symbolic, and it looks pretty, but what does it mean? (coughs) And then (coughs) Barbara Hershey finds out that he's blowing him off, and that he's full of shit, and then he's just like, I don't even remember your son! And I'm just like... God, yeah. will someone kill him? Can yeah, he Barbara die? Hershey like realizes, picks up on the fact that he's like trying to get with Gwyneth Paltrow, and he d- like they do end up hooking up, um, of course, because you know, um, and so yeah, so Barbara Hershey like comes to a dinner, I think, right, a dinner or lunch, um, where David Schwimmer and Gwyneth Paltrow are with her parents. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. She rolls like, up on that. Yeah, so like David Schwimmer crashes it because he's not even invited and Gwyneth Paltrow's like what are you doing here and he's like I don't want you to leave and she's like I told you I'm leaving and then Barbara Hershey comes in and is like I knew you were like sleeping with someone else like you're a piece of shit you're using me and he's like I don't even know your son and then she leaves and we're just like what happened yeah and then he tells and then he tells Michael Rappaport not to marry his girlfriend for no reason he has no reason to say it but he's like don't marry her because it's not like there's no scene in which Michael Rappaport is unhappy with his girlfriend. It's not like he's like, yeah, guys, I don't know. She oh, wow. Unhappy. She's lactose intolerant. Like he's, <laughs> He obviously loves her. It's just like it's just like, yeah, David Schwimmer has an issue. Um, More stuff happens. He tries to commit suicide. David Schwimmer? Yeah, doesn't he? He does? 
Does did, I, did I miss that? I don't I know. Very, I very he well could have. The, he goes into the garage with the car and then Carol Kane rolls up on him. And I didn't know if he was trying to commit suicide or he was just thinking about it or what was going on. Or but he was like reflecting on Bill Abernathy's yeah, process. Yeah, I don't know what was going on in there. Yeah. <sighs> uh, and like, then he finds the other Tom Thompson and introduces him to... Um, and Barbara Hershey and uh, once we meet that guy I'm just like what a nice guy I wish we had spent the movie with the yeah, real Tom Thompson basically, <laughs> like, there's like a scene where Michael Rapaport is like don't you remember there's another guy with your name in our school and David Schwimmer's like what and 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 David Schwimmer's like why didn't you tell me like like that's obviously who you know Barbara Hershey aka Bill Abernathy's mom was trying to get in touch with so then he finds his name twin and is like, this is actually the guy who knows your son. I'm like, why didn't anyone say that earlier? It's so annoying. It just makes me that no so one said angry. it earlier. It it's so, so stupid. Angry. It's like, why? And then and then Barbara Hershey, who's just like, I mean, she's a she's a good actress. Like, I, I really like her. And she just she walks up to Tom and she's just like, I needed someone. And I was just like, don't make me feel things, movie. I Fuck know. You. I know. That Fuck was you. one thing I resented about this movie is that there were <laughs> moments where I felt things. Um, and I want to feel things when it's good, a good movie. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, like, I don't like being tricked by these bad movies. And yeah, like when I cry during a bad movie, um, the last part of my crying is always anger. <laughs> like, yes. Anger at the crying. <laughs> and then Michael Rappaport gets married because, of course, like, fuck David Schwimmer and he seems really happy and it's a Jewish wedding. I didn't, and I was like, oh, Jewish, okay. Like, I was just right? like, yeah. I, I wish we knew his friends better. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Um, and we find out that, like, Tony Collette and Michael Varton were already separated or something and they, like, and she, like, kicks him out. Which, go, go, you go, yeah. girl. Yeah. You've got your whole life. Fuck him. And yeah. You're, like, great. Um, and uh, Julie comes to the wedding and then Tom and Julie dance and then Julie once again says, I don't want this and I'm going away. So Tom being the nice guy that he is, because apparently that's who he's supposed to be, gives her the dead guy's car. Uh, yeah, because the dead guy's car was given to him earlier and yeah. Yeah, because the real Tom wouldn't take it. And uh, it's, and it's actually really sad also that like when we finally do meet the real Tom, he's like, oh, yeah, I didn't know Bill that well. He just was just a regular friend. And I was like, God damn it. I know. <laughs> Bill. Like, I feel bad for Bill the whole time. I'm like, man, he had no one. This is so this sad. Is, yeah, I just. Also doing this. Yeah. Yeah. I just felt sad. And just like also just the process of. Barbara Hershey realizing how lonely her son was. Cause you know, I, I would assume that he just didn't tell her much. Um, so yeah. she only had what he said to go on. And then now she's like, Oh, he really didn't have anyone. Ugh. All my, all my, cons all my motherly concerns were real. <laughs> um, and then we have the symbolic and like, Tom, are you ready? Tom, let's go. Tom, are you ready for the new chapter in your life? <laughs> are you ready <laughs> for your life to change? <laughs> like, 
Yeah. And then, you know, like the the garage door symbolically closes and just <laughs> fuck this movie. Fuck <laughs> I had to watch I had to watch this movie twice um because I was I had had a good amount of wine the first time and I was with a few people and I thought, "Oh, it'll be fun to watch the podcast movie with people." But then we were all like making fun of it and too drunk and I didn't really catch a lot of it. So I had to watch this movie twice, <laughs> which <laughs> uh, that's <laughs> twice too many. Like that's that's like that's like almost four hours of my life. Um, oh, my God. I love it. It's yeah. Kind of, it's kind of funny to me. <laughs> like <laughs> you're like Bronwyn. Uh, <laughs> I mean, OK, this is so stupid. You know what? I don't. It's like I don't even like the graduate that much. But please see the graduate instead, please. Don't. Yeah, just this weird. Just knock watch off. the graduate. Just like, watch the fucking graduate. Like it actually works. Um, and Dustin Hoffman is is better at what David Schwimmer is trying to do here. Oh, for sure, for sure. Yeah, just man, I just <sighs> fuck this movie. Uh, poor Barbara Hershey. Barbara Hershey didn't deserve to. Yeah, be in a I mean, movie special like shout outs to Barbara Hershey and Carol Kane, the true MVPs of this film movie. Yes, yes this this movie made by uh, white bro time bro. But you know what? You know, I talk a lot of shit about J. I not a lot of shit, but I joke a lot about James Cameron and how annoying he is. James Cameron, for all of his flaws, is a bro that when he does a love story, he commits to it. He commits to making the woman a real person. He commits to making the guy a real person. He commits to making us give a shit. He did it with the Terminator. He did it with Titanic. Like... He didn't really do it with Avatar, but even then, at least I felt I felt more about the love story watching Avatar than I did in this. Yeah, because again, <laughs> it's like it's unrequited and forced and really uncomfortable. And he, and even if it was requited, like David Schwimmer's not a, a compelling character. He's yeah. Tom Thompson isn't. Tom I say. Tom, I mean, Tom, literally, his name's Tom Thompson. I'm like, you couldn't even give him a real name. I mean, these, like, I mean, these white people, Tom like, and Julie. Like, do we want Tom and Julie to get? No, I don't care about fucking Tom and Julie. Uh <laughs> this movie, <laughs> this movie sucks, and it's yeah, that's really all. I mean, good thing that almost everyone involved does not really do, well, except for the guy who does the TV shows, but, you know, J.J. Abrams doesn't really do romance anymore, not in any significant way. Matt Reeves doesn't really do it's romance not, anymore. It's not like they made this movie and then they stuck on that beat. Yeah, you know? like, like, Felicity is over. <laughs> yeah, like, it. it this, this phase <laughs> happened and now we can all move on, thank God. Yeah, this is a very, um, like, white man's first movie and I hope that, you know, whenever anybody mentions the Paul Barrett and Matt Reeves, he's just like, Ugh. Yeah, like hey, you know, we all we tried. <laughs> you know, like art is art is a series of failures, you know. Um and so yeah, just watch the graduate and I mean, love yourself. Please do. Please love yourself. <laughs> um and so next week we're going to do something more fun so that we can get the energy up. <laughs> yeah, we're going to yeah. we're going to we'll do something zany. Yes. Whatever yes, that let's means. Let's go zany. Okay? Let's do it. Yes. All right. I'm Jordan Searles. And I'm Bronwyn Isaac. 
And remember to rate the podcast, subscribe, follow us on Twitter. We're on Spotify. We're on Google Play. We're on Apple Podcasts. We're on Twitter at Bad Romance Pod with the zero instead of an oh we're all over the place love us email us i noticed that i didn't think that anyone was emailing us and i checked the email a few days ago and realized that people have been emailing us and that we need to reply oh my gosh i haven't <laughs> been checking the email either so <laughs> i didn't know that you guys I'm so were sorry, emailing you guys. us we we're love not you ignoring you we're not ignoring you we're gonna get to you okay <laughs> this has been the bad romance podcast bye bye Oh, yeah, better